Hello, friends, and welcome to the Everyday Truth Podcast with Kurt Skelly. We are here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day. And we're glad you joined us here for the conversation. Right now, we're studying the book of Revelation in a series called The End is the Beginning. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. And welcome back, my friends, uh, to today's episode of Everyday Truth. Got my uh, coffee cup of the day here. City Baptist Church, established 2014. I love that church in Vancouver, British Columbia. Uh, my good friend Paul Connor. It's amazing what God's doing in that ministry. Love that cup. And uh, we are in a brand new chapter today. So if you want to take a moment and just find Revelation chapter 15 in your own uh, copy of God's Word, uh, it's a short chapter. Uh, one of the shortest, I'm not sure if it's the shortest, but if not, one of the shortest chapters in the entire book, only eight verses long. And uh, as we read through the book of Revelation, keep in mind that the book of Revelation is not chronological. So, for instance, we've had several chapters where we've seen the end of the tribulation. Uh, for instance, the end of chapter 6 and the end of chapter 7, God wiping all the tears from the eyes. So, as we go back through the book, sometimes what, what you'll find is a summary and then more detail given uh, going backward. And some of that can be confusing. So uh, just keep in mind that the book of Revelation is not uh, strictly a chronological book. Look at verse uh, number one of chapter 15, uh, where the Bible says, And I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous. So um, I think you know that a sign in the Bible was some special, miraculous thing that God would do to signify, that's that's the word sign, right? Signify uh, some great biblical truth. Uh, so in this particular case, the Bible says the sign in heaven was seven angels having seven, uh, having the seven last plagues for in them is filled up the wrath of God. So seven angels having the seven last plagues and in them, in these plagues, are, are filled up the wrath of God. So to filled up here means the completion of, the completion of. So whatever we're about to read about these seven angels, we know is a sign. God is demonstrating, showing something. And we know that this is a completion. Uh, this is bringing to completion the wrath of God upon the people of earth. So again, we're not at the end now, we're at the beginning of the end. As God unleashes His wrath in in this way, and what we're going to find in the chapter is that this is uh, the the unleashing of the seven vials, or some would say the seven bowls. Same thing uh, here in Revelation chapter fifteen, and the Bible says it's the completion of the wrath of God. So interestingly, there are a couple Greek words that are used to describe God's wrath in the New Testament. Uh, and uh, one of them, is, is the word used here, is the word for God's vehement and passionate wrath. As a matter of fact, of the 11 times that word is used, 10 of the 11 times are here in the book of Revelation, which just 
signifies to us that God's wrath is a real thing. Now, I think it's important for us not to contextualize God's wrath through the lens of our own wrath. The Bible says that the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. You know, our wrath is incomplete. Our wrath oftentimes is selfish. Our wrath does not take in the big picture. Our wrath is not tempered by a righteous character. But God's wrath has a purpose. God's wrath is righteous. God's wrath is wholly justifiable. So when we think about the wrath of God, don't think about some uncontrolled, get it off my chest, uh, I don't care what I hurt kind of wrath. That's not, that's not the wrath of God. The wrath of God is measured. It's righteous. It's of God. And can I just say this? It comes after long seasons of and many opportunities for repentance. God's grace has been extended. God's mercy. We saw that even last episode or last chapter when the angel was flying and and preaching the everlasting gospel and giving yet uh, another opportunity uh, for people to respond to the grace, to respond to God's long suffering. I like what it says in Genesis chapter 6, pre-flood, before the destruction of the earth by the flood. Uh, The Bible says, my spirit shall not always strive with man. Uh, The point there is that, yeah, judgment came to that that world, but God's spirit had been striving with them. Uh, God had been wrestling with them. Don't do it this way. Don't, Don't turn from me. Don't rebel. And so anybody that is the subject of God's wrath ultimately has been the rejecter of God's mercy. And I think that's an important uh, concept for us to keep in our mind. Look at verse number two of Revelation 15, where uh, John continues to describe the scene that he sees. And I saw, as it were, a sea of glass mingled with fire. So this takes us back to Revelation chapter 4. Remember the, the, the crystal sea, like a sea of glass in front of the throne of God? Remember we talked about that what is true, what is real, substantive in heaven, was typified on earth by things like the tabernacle when God gave those dimensions and those furnishings to Moses, or the temple, which is basically just the permanent structure of the tabernacle. And uh, in that scenario, the sea, the, the crystal sea, the sea of glass would be like the laver uh, of the tabernacle, the laver of the temple. What was the laver? The laver, the laver was that uh, pool of water and the, after the priest had offered the, uh, the sacrifice uh, at the brazen altar, that would be a place of, watch, a pla- a place of washing, a place uh, of, of purity. And so the Bible says there's, there's fire mingled uh, uh, with the sea of glass. Uh, there, there was a, the sea of glass mingled with fire. Fire in the Bible often is a, a symbol of God's judgment. The, the fiery judgment of God. And that, that's why it's a burnt sacrifice. Why? Because uh, there's the judgment of sin in that sacrifice. That, that sacrifice, that lamb is, uh, 
I, I'm identifying with the sacrifice. And so the fire uh, of sacrifice upon that lamb is the fire I deserve. The fire of judgment upon Jesus at the cross was the judgment I deserved. So the sea of glass mingled with fire is obviously a symbol of God's impending wrath and judgment upon those who are deserving of it. Look at verse number two again. So I saw, as it were, a sea of glass mingled with fire, and them that had gotten the victory over the beast and over his image and over his mark and over the number of his name stand on the sea of glass, having the harps of God. So again, standing in a place of purity, standing in a place of worship, they have the harps of God. Remember back in Revelation chapter four, it was the four and 20 elders that had the harps and the four and 20 elders represent New Testament saints. So now we're finding that these tribulation saints, these that have said no to Antichrist, these that have refused the mark of the beast, uh, these that have uh, refused to identify with the false prophet, the devil, uh, now are standing in heaven. Now, why are they in heaven? Because they have died. They have been martyred. So it's interesting that these people that, that, are, that are described as having victory are those that are worshiping God in heaven. They're standing upon the sea of glass. Sometimes in the Bible, water or the sea is a type of the word of God. And so standing on the promises of God, uh, the veracity of God's word, and the Bible teaches that uh, in verse number two, that they have gotten victory. Now, we don't typically view death as victory because the victory that they have won is the victory attained by being faithful and then being martyred for their faith. And now they're standing in the new reality of heaven. Uh, and yet the Bible says they are the victorious ones. I wonder how often we have that perspective that death for the believer is actually victory. So sometimes we pray for people that know the Lord and we pray for them to be healed. And sometimes if we're, if we're honest with ourselves, we're kind of disappointed. We feel like, man, my prayer didn't work. So-and-so died or the cancer got the best of him. And, and I guess he lost his battle too. We, we, we use terms like that, don't we? And yet there's no loss. There, there is no losing. The, the fact is, death is a victory. I think that's the, the language of the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the great resurrection chapter, when he says, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Death is swallowed up in victory, that same passage says. And this is a great example of it here in, in Revelation 15, where these tribulation saints are described as those that have gotten the victory. Victory, victory, it is mine. Why? Because I have trusted Christ, because I have through Christ said no to the devil and no to sin and no to uh, that world system. And now enjoying the joys of heaven and the fruition of the promises of God, standing on the sea of glass, holding a harp, worshiping God. Wow, what a great day uh, that is for these tribulation saints. Uh, verse number three, the Bible says, and they sing 
And we're going to have to come back to this because there's way too much in verse 3 to talk about today. But let me just read the verse to get us prepped for our next episode. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God. Wow, the song of Moses? Why would what they're singing be the song of Moses? Well, think about it. Uh, Much of what we've read in verses 1 and 2 should remind us of God's deliverance of God's people back in Exodus. For instance, uh, we're reading about plagues, aren't we? Well, we read about plagues in the book of Exodus. We're reading about coming through a sea. Well, they came through a sea in uh, Exodus, God. We read about victory. Uh, We read about victory in Exodus, the victory that God gave them passing through that sea, really walking not on the sea, but through the sea, right? Saying no to Pharaoh, saying no to that world system. So it legitimately is the song of Moses, but it's more than just the song of Moses. It's more than just a history song. It's a present song. And we'll talk about what that meant as well as we come back to this passage uh, next episode. So uh, that's all the time we have for today. Appreciate you joining us as always. Looking forward to jumping back into verse number three tomorrow. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.